Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly, fully vaccinated, fully boosted Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is Sarah Wood. She's a writer and she's the social media director of Vote Vets. She's been on the show many, many times. And so I'm thinking just maybe we're going to be talking about some politics today. But before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners and it's woman run. It's patrons who keep the show going. So I am so grateful for each and every one of you. If you enjoy today's show, visit patreon.com slash start me up. You'll see that I offer a bunch of different tiers, including one that has a much shorter intro and is completely ad free. I do two free shows a week, Mondays and Wednesdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show only by me. Whatever I feel like talking about that particular day, it's kind of like a stream of consciousness. Again, just go to patreon.com slash start me up. Take a look at the different options. You can always upgrade later. You can also find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes slash Apple podcast store, become a subscriber because it's free. And while you're there, please rate the show and leave a review. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Sarah Wood. Welcome back to the show, Sarah. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Well, thank Thank you for being here as usual. Um, you know, it's getting toward the end of the year and I'm so in desperate need for a vacation. <laughs> Just oh like, so, I mean, oh I wake God. up every fucking day and get online. I mean, I st- I'm still going to do that, but I get online and I look at the news and then I just get pissed off. And so, um, you know, we all know how that goes, but I need a little break from like, I'm totally dying to, uh, and before we get into the political talk, I want to talk some fun things, but it's like, one of the things that I like to do is play hidden object games. Have you ever played those games? I I believe so. Yeah. I love them. And it's like, there's that big fish that they have them. And then it's like tales of the whatever, you know? And, and so like you have to, you go into this weird animated world and you have to find certain things. And it's funny because I never pay any attention to the notes. I just like, I just, you know, go and do what I can because you don't really need the notes, but I'm like, I just want to lay in bed and play those games for a couple of days and, and not look at the news and not like, I just want to escape into those games. What do you do when you're not, I mean, obviously I, I, during that break, I'm going to see family, I'm going to do stuff like that, but just like, what do you do to keep yourself occupied and have fun when you're not, when you're home and you're not working? Um, I'm going to be so, so lame with this, but I literally, I'm going to be very basic by saying I binge watch friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like my it's been my therapy since the show was on like i've watched it from you know the premiere in yeah. 94 so it's like i have never not watched that show and it's always been anyone who knows me knows that that's my show so um <laughs> i love if that I show start binging friends you're gonna be like sarah's going through something <laughs> <laughs> so that that's my happy place that's where i'll go well yeah i watched that too in fact i wa- bob and i started watching from the beginning and he saw some of them, but he didn't watch all of them. And recently, we're we're still on the. Fir- we might have just started the second season, and I don't remember which one in the first season season it was. But it was the very first Friends that I ever saw, and it was when Chandler was stuck in the vestibule with Joel Goodacre. And oh my god, that is so funny! And when he like he he spits his gum out. And then he goes to put it back in his mouth and he realizes he put somebody else's gum back in his mouth. And that was so funny. I know. He tried to play it so cool. He's like, if I just stick it back in my mouth, no one will play with us. <laughs> he's like, oh my and God. this is not my gum. <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you that if you haven't watched Friends, like it starts getting good. Like season, like the first two seasons are fine. Yeah. But like the seasons, I would say the best seasons are three through eight. Yeah. Those are the best seasons. I agree. Um, I agree. I like all of them, obviously. I've watched them a gajillion times. I mean, no one wants to ever play Friends Trivia with me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like that. Or they want me on their team. They're like, we'll pick Sarah. But, um, yeah, no, like, they really caught their stride in season three. Yeah, they really did. Good. They did. I have yeah. to say, though, the one episode that I was, was not my favorite was the one, and you may disagree with me, but um, it was the one with Brad Pitt. I didn't like that one. Oh yeah, the Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. It was he's not he's not good at comedy. No, and, and it was I think dumb. That's what it, I think that was part of it. And then they had like the teeny weeny part of it, and I was like, well, that's really inappropriate. And I even <laughs> thought that was inappropriate at the time. So I mean, I was like, oh come on now. Yeah, it it was just not. It's not my favorite. But you know what we're watching now? Um, have you heard of White Lotus? 
Yeah, I watched it. Oh the my whole thing. god, that's yeah. I, we're gonna. I think we're gonna watch the series. Uh, no, it's the season because I think they're gonna do another se- another season. But it's the season finale. We're gonna watch that tonight, and then tomorrow I'm excited uh, because Sex in the City comes back. But yes. oh my god, White Lotus <laughs> is fucking crazy. For any of those, any of you okay. who like quirky kind of dark comedy weirdness this is fantastic and jennifer coolidge the woman who was for those of you don't know her name she was in best in show she was the one who owned the poodle and was married to the old guy who likes to talk about soup (laughs) she is one of my favorite characters because she's just so fucking pathetic she's so needy and she's so pathetic and she's so good at it and i just i love everybody in that show i think everybody's fantastic and i love it i love it i wish i could just watch more and more and more and then um, the other one that we're watching, and I'm wondering if you have seen, is called – God, what is it called? Um, it's the one – I will I can never remember the name of it, but it, For All Mankind. Have you seen that? I feel like I was watching it because my wife is a space junkie. So I feel, <laughs> I feel like we were definitely – yes, because it's fiction – yeah, it's so, a, like, it's about an alternative history. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of just have to acknowledge it. Yeah, like where Russia lands on the moon first. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, we did watch that. Yeah, yeah. we definitely did. I really yeah. like it. I think it's interesting. I mean, I'm definitely uh, into the comedy right now just because I need it so much. But, um, but yeah, it's really fun to watch this alternative history and where it goes. And the actors are really good. And it's fun. And I'm enjoying it. And I'm trying very much to enjoy the times when I'm not online and I'm not like getting upset about what this country is possibly possibly going to turn into and um you know just I I like hearing what other people do and I know you've got also you've got your two dogs so I'm sure they keep you very busy (laughs) (laughs) they do I I just went for a walk with Jolene because Cooper's in daycare today because last time I was on with you he was barking I had to like walk around the house trying to get away from him so he's having fun at school today um so I took Jolene for a walk just like an hour ago and it's so cold outside and I have her in her little coat and like it's it's snowing not Mm -hmm. but not like a pretty snow it's just kind of like cold oh yeah how how cold is it there (laughs) i'm like low 30s i'd say well yeah it's it's was supposed to snow this morning where i live but it's not and it's in the 40s and you know what i went to the store right before the show and i literally it's so funny i was wearing a sweatshirt and you know i had like a jeans and a tank top and a sweatshirt and i didn't even wear socks and i i just find i mean i'm i'm warm anyway but it's funny because it's like living in california for so many years for like four decades I I remember back, I'm trying to think, it was probably like the mid-90s. My mom and I went out to dinner one night, and we were coming home, and I was so cold. And I was just like, oh my God, it's freezing. And she's like, it's not freezing. And it wasn't. It wasn't freezing. It was maybe like 50 <laughs> degrees. I'm like, it's yeah. freezing, it's freezing. And now I'm like literally living in the cold, and, I'm, and I wear sweatshirts when, when, God, I can't even imagine what it would have been like for me in California if it were this cold. I don't know. Whatever. I'm, I, I'm a weather wimp, though, and I wish it were a little bit colder, but I'm happy with the weather right now because I like to have my window open during the day with the fan blowing in, even though it's 40 degrees. <laughs> no, I'm right with you. And I, and I lived in California for a long time, too, and I remember yeah. that. Like, and I'm a New Englander, so like, I, got, like, I had to get used to it being warm in December. Yeah. And then where we were like t-shirts and I'd be like, oh my God, it's like 60 degrees. And then <laughs> cut 10 years later, I'm still living in LA and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need my winter coat. It's 60 degrees. <laughs> and it's so cold. What am I doing? And now I'm moved back here and it's in the thirties and I'm like, oh, I'm fine. And <laughs> well, I am fine. looking, they're, they're saying now because of the climate change, they're saying that uh, we're going to be seeing at least on the East coast and where I am in Maryland, they're basically calling for, <laughs> see your other dot. Is, is that Jolene? Oh. It is sorry, my <laughs> daughter. Don't worry. Course, about she's fucking. She, my neighbor, just came home. And... <laughs> See, I don't care. Yeah. We are a, an animal-friendly podcast over here. Now I forgot I what I was. Inside. Oh, <laughs> I can't. Now I can't remember what I was saying. What was I saying? Uh, I don't know. I just completely lost my train of thought. But that's okay. It's no, okay. Me all day, every day. <laughs> but Working the dogs home. are what make your life so wonderful. So you know what? It's all about the fucking dog. When I started doing this, um, Bob was telling me because he was podcasting with um, why can't I can't think of anybody's fucking name? And it was his best friend, Chat Ch- Ches. 
So he was podcasting with Ches, and he, I, Ches had a little girl, and so she would just randomly come in and start talking, and Bob just left it in because he's like, "Hey, it's we're just casual over here." So <laughs> I'm casual, but okay, all right. So I guess we should we should start getting into some po- politics here. Um, I took some notes. And the first thing I want to talk about, I guess, is I guess this is good news. We're basically hearing that the at least with Pfizer, that the booster shot gives you a decent amount of protection. And I don't know the exact number, but it gives you a decent amount of perfection protection from Omicron, which Jody Hamilton likes to call Kodachrome. (laughs) So so now I always want to call it Kodachrome. (laughs) I always end up being like, Omicron. (laughs) <laughs> like, like I, I don't know why I'm always like, it's the Omicron. <laughs> well, the Pfizer CEO said the third shot improves efficacy against Omicron dramatically. And so um, let's see, it says Omicron, it says three doses against Omicron are almost equivalent to the two doses, the effectiveness of the two doses that we had against the original variant. So that's good news because this broke on Thanksgiving that there was this new variant and, and they were saying that it was possibly um, more contagious and, and maybe even you could get sicker, but it doesn't look like that's happening. The people who have got it, who have been vaccinated just have mild cases. So thank God for that. Right. <laughs> no, like, yeah. That's what I saw. I saw this morning that it was like, cause I got, I got the article on my phone. I get flashed up as an alert and it basically was like, yeah, if you've been boosted, you're, you're going to be fine. Yeah. So, and the, I so mean, as long as you take the and, precautions. And of course, all, be, all the conspiracy theorists will be like, oh, that's just because they want us to get boosted. Right. And... Of course. Of course, that's what they're going to say. Well, and when I read the, there was an article, and I can't remember if it was Bloomberg or who it was, but it might have been Bloomberg. But they were saying that this particular, that the booster should last us through spring. And that buys us some time to figure out if we're going to need to have a variant booster. And I'm, I mean, I'm just going to say no one is in love with ongoing, fairly frequent vaccinations. I mean, nobody, but you know what? I, the way I look at it is I don't want to fucking get COVID. <laughs> so. That's just it. I'm like, I don't, I get the flu shot every year. So yeah. it's like, I don't know. I'm fine. If I need to get a booster like every six months for, you know, yes. as long as this takes, then sure. Then I'm going to get the booster. And, you know, I mean, I think that it's understandable that people don't want to have to go through that for various reasons, whether it's fear of, you know, because there are, there has been so much disinformation about vaccines that it kind of bleeds into, you know, the conspiracy kind of bleeds into people being, you know, it's kind of like the Hillary Clinton thing where you you have decades and decades and decades of republicans lying about her and and you know just talking shit about her and then it bled over into our party where liberals didn't like her so it's like with the vaccine and they were they were it was based on bullshit and i'm not saying that everyone has to like hillary clinton i'm not saying that you know because i know that there are liberals who have legitimate concerns, not that she would be anything worse than Donald or anything like that, but I mean, just issues with her here and there. That's fine. Yeah. I have no problem because, you know, no, you're not going to love everybody and there's going to be certain Democrats that you're not going to like and certain Democrats that you're going to like, but it's just the idea that the lies about her spilled over into our party because if you just hammer it and hammer it and hammer it. You've got people who are spreading disinformation about vaccines and that goes on and on and on and on that some of that fear is going to just bleed over and and you know i mean even for me it's like i i don't even like getting my animals vaccinated of course i do it but it's like i think there was one time with my mom's cat where he got some kind of shot and i'm not even sure if it was a vaccination but it was around the area of a shot and then he got this big lump which actually turned out to be benign expensive but benign Um, And so, you know, there's always this part of me that worries and is what if and, you know, even when I take medicine, there are certain medicines that I I fear, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. I understand like you look at the you look at the numbers. People who are vaccinated are living. (laughs) People who aren't are dying. 
And it's and you're so right about the whole like Hillary comparison too because um, I mean I love her but like there are a lot of people that don't and my favorite thing to do is be like why don't you like her yeah and I would say ninety percent of the time there will be some people that have their their concerns and they'll know exactly what to say but most of the time I'm like I don't know it's just something about her right I just don't like her I just I don't know and then it's the same thing with vaccines you'll be like can you provide me proof mm-hmm. with why you don't trust the vaccines they're like well i've heard mm-hmm. and they're like they, they just don't want it yeah and i'll be like well show me articles show me you know show me your proof i'm like well i watched this youtube video i'm like that's not proof <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's propaganda <laughs> for whatever reason someone doesn't want you to get vaccinated like it's right. just i have been given things from friends like just wild conspiracy theories about all of it and I'm mm-hmm. just like I can't I can't and I'm like I've already been boosted I don't know who you're trying to convince <laughs> <laughs> you're, right. you're wasting wasting your time with me yeah because as much as sometimes I you know I I, I don't know it's not that I don't trust because trust is a strong word it's just that sometimes you get a little freaked out by things I'm not very good and for me like with medication I am extremely sensitive and so you know and, and not too long ago my mother was taking I think it was called gabapentin and she she wasn't taking it every day but she was taking it and she wound up having to go to the hospital because of the side effects on it and at first she thought she was having a heart attack and she was really scared it was it was one of the worst fucking days of my life it was over the summer and so you know I was terrified and the next day she was home and everything and and I I thought about I remembered her mentioning that medication so I looked it up and all of the symptoms that she had were, were, you know, attributed to that. And so she asked her doctor and her doctor's like, yes, that was probably what happened. And of course, since she stopped taking it, she's fine. So, and I'm the kind of person that my mother told me one time, um, cause I had allergies and she was taking, I, it was just like an over the counter allergy, allergy medication that I, th- I can't remember if it said it caused drowsiness, but if it causes drowsiness, to anyone, I'm going to be drowsy. She's like, well, I'm not drowsy at all. And, and I took two of them, and I'm not drowsy at all. I took two of them, and I was, like, dead for two days. <laughs> it's like... Oh, yeah. I can't take Benadryl at all and, and expect to stay awake. Right. And same and, and Zyrtex, a close second. Like, I can't take that because I will be, like, may cause drowsiness, and I absolutely fall asleep. I have to take, like, a non-drowsy yes. allergy medicine. Yeah, specifically non-drowsy. And then yeah. when, sometimes when I take those – it's like taking, like, I can't take Sudafed because my heart starts racing and I feel like I'm on speed and I hate it. So I'm just like, I am so sensitive. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I can't take certain medications. There's, you know, when I've had um, there and I wish I could remember. I wish I, I, I need to write this shit down. But anytime I've, I'm ever prescribed antibiotics, like there are certain antibiotics that I can totally tolerate with no issue whatsoever and other ones that just flatten me and make me feel sick. And, um, you know, so that I think that's where I get my it's it's the fear of not feeling good. It's the fear of I don't know if this medication is going to have an adverse effect on me. And, you know, so, I mean, even with freaking NyQuil, when I get a really bad cold, which knock on wood, I haven't had one for years, but if I get a really bad cold, I can take NyQuil maybe two or three nights to help me sleep. But then even if I'm still feeling really, really sick on the third or fourth day, I can't take it anymore because NyQuil just compounds the feeling of grossness. And, you know, I just feel gross from the NyQuil and sick on top of it. So... I don't know. Anyway, th- this is all just to say we all need to fucking get boosted and, and stop being afraid of everything because the thing that you need to be afraid of is dying from COVID. <laughs> exactly. If you have, a, I had side effects with the second one. I got a mild fever and, mm-hmm. you know, like I was laid out for like a day. And then the second, the booster, I got like a tiny mild fever, but it wasn't, it wasn't so bad. Like I was, mm-hmm. it was just like the sore arm mild fever, but it's like, it's still, everything is still better yeah. than getting COVID. Yes. And I just, I hope that, you know, I mean, I don't know what's going to go down. I know we're going to get these antiviral drugs. I don't know when they're available, but there's going to be there. I know Pfizer has one. Moderna's got one. Actually, Moderna on this one is not as strong and, and effective as the Pfizer one. But um, I think that's going to change the landscape when they're readily available, because I think we're going to have a little bit more It'll just be easier for all of us, even if we've got variants coming up and things like that. As long as the variants aren't 
um, immune to the vaccines, I think we're going to get, like, I, I keep saying, I anticipate the springtime is kind of going to be a turning point. And I hope I'm right on this because we all thought when we were vaccinated, everything was just going to be ducky. And we had like a month. <laughs> then, we did. We had like a month where I like even went to like a restaurant. And I was yeah. Like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> but lately, like I did go to a, I did go to a birthday party last week and it was, you know, everybody was vaxxed and boosted. Mm-hmm. Like, so, but I do ask that question when mm-hmm. I go to a, like, a dinner party, I'm like, is everybody vaccinated? And I skipped a wedding because the people weren't vaccinated. Yeah. Like I was like, nope. Yeah, I mean, in fact, my family is um, having a party, and they wanted to have it at a restaurant. And I was like, no, I'm not going to a restaurant. So now it's going to be at at my dad's house, and my four-year-old niece is going to be there, and she's not vaccinated. And I'm not happy about that, but her parents are vaccinated. Her parents, you know, make the effort for her to be safe. So I'm just, it's like, okay, fine you've beaten me down but I've been you know boosted Bob has been boosted everybody in my family is boosted so I'm hoping that everything will just be fine because it's you know it's a scary proposition still and she's too young to get vaccinated because she's only four so yeah. there's that um okay so I hope I say his name right is it Ellie Honig from CNN do you know how to pronounce it I don't know. I don't know who you're speaking about. Okay, so it's a blue checker on (laughs) CNN. and So he tweeted this morning, file this under big damn deal. Meadows has produced documents to the 1-6 committee about appointing alternate electors, launching a direct, launching a, quote, direct and collateral attack on election results and options for January 6th. And all this came from the inner sanctum of the White House. So, yeah, this is a pretty big fucking deal. Oh, shit. <laughs> now I'm, like, looking it up, like, rapidly. Like, just <laughs> I'm like, oh, what did I miss? I was doing a bunch of, like, I, I retweeted other it earlier. stuff this morning. Okay, yeah, I retweeted it. Or... And the thing is, okay, and then I, I'm wondering, okay, so from Mueller, she wrote, she tweeted this week, we got a peep last week that they have a grand jury criminally investigating political, this is, quote, politically charged, one six crimes and they have been for months and we didn't know uh let's see that's about it outside the mountain of that's about it outside the mountain of documents they've been giving to the one six committee and their ig probes into the key into the coup now um i don't know where did this peep i don't know what she's talking about i retweeted it and i copied it but i'm just wondering if there is okay if there's a grand jury that's criminally investigating the politically charged one six crimes and they and they've been doing this for months i'm assuming this is the the doj right i honestly don't know um i i do think that they're keeping a lot under wraps because it has to do with ongoing investigations and and criminal and criminal cases that they can't have everything out in the public because you could taint the juror pool so Mm -hmm. i think that there's a lot that we don't know that's actually going on behind the scenes yes and i agree and and you know i mean i just have to reiterate and i say this every show and i'm not defending anybody i'm not saying oh everybody needs to lay off merrick garland I, i i understand the urgency and the frustration of not seeing immediate results, but that's not usually how things work. Um, but the thing is, is if we do, th- the DOJ is not, I mean, I'm twofold on this because number one, the DOJ is not supposed to be partisan and we don't want them to be partisan. But on the other hand, this is not about partisan politics. This is about basically fascists and neo-Nazis looking to overthrow our government. And so there is a di- that that's not partisan that's a completely different story and so i know that that's why so many people are frustrated and you know they're posting about the fact that garland you know but some are saying that garland needs to be replaced and i'm not necess- i'm not on board with that because i don't know enough i don't know what they're doing and if there isn't indeed a grand jury it seems to me that you know they they're doing something and i'm just going to go back to i've said this on bob's show and I've said it on my, my show for patrons only. But, and I, I might have said it on this show, I'm not sure. And I can't reveal anything. I have to be extremely, extremely vague. But I know a person who I trust has two sources. And according to this person, those sources, and I can't tell, I can't say what it is. 
But what I, the only thing that I will say is that these sources, what they said, made me feel better. Now, for those of you who remember, um, what's Claude Taylor? He was duped by some, because he, he had some sources and he would share what his sources said and he grew his Twitter following and then he was approached by another group of people and they said, okay, we've got all this information and we're going to leak it to you and, and, and basically he would leak it on Twitter. And so it turned out that they were bullshitters and they duped him. And so ever since that moment, he stopped posting anything that any source tells him because he, obviously he was embarrassed but he, you know, he decided I'm not going to put this stuff out there. So I don't want to be, first of all, I don't want to reveal the person who's telling me because they told me in confidence. But I just want to reiterate that if this is true, and I don't know for sure, but if it's true, yeah, there, there is shit going on that we don't know about. And that we just need to wait and see what happens. I'm not saying everybody has to fully trust Merrick Garland and think he's God and all that. But it's like, trust that they are doing the things that need to be done. It's just that this is not, as I've said a million times, uh, you know, a, a our law and order show where everything gets tied up neatly at the end. <laughs> that, that, exactly. And what, I'm, what I always seem to compare it to is like um, people are so into, and I am, those true crime shows mm -hmm. and like watching the investigations where you can see everything unfold and you see all the, the evidence and you can kind of mm -hmm. connect the dots, this, that, and the other. But those shows don't just like, happen in broad daylight like that's like over years of mm -hmm. like investigations and this that and the other and then once it's all brought to light then they make those shows and it's kind of like people are so eager yeah to see everything that's going on for good but reason we, we, but yeah yeah for good reason we want to know we want to hold people accountable like i'm over at vote vets like that we want nothing more than to hold the traitors of january 6th accountable mm -hmm. so but I'm just like, but at the same time, we're just like, you, you've got to, got to kind of trust the process. Yeah. You, you've got to trust the, even though people feel, I, I mean, it's, I, and it's also understandable that people feel they can't trust the process because we've seen, we've seen a lot of injustice every once in a while we see justice and then we see a lot of injustice. And so we've become conditioned to think that rich, powerful white men who commit crimes are going to get away with it, but not all rich, powerful men who commit crimes get away with it. Some do. Yes, they do, but some don't. And I don't really know what's going to happen with Donald Trump but um, or any of the people involved in the, you know, the higher-ups in the 1-6. It's very clear that they were <laughs> organizing it, and we just don't know the details of it yet. But I think that's, you know, that'll be an interesting turn of events as we move into next year. But I... You know, I asked a question on Twitter the other day, and I said, what's more important to you? And of course, I had to specify, don't fucking tell me both because I'm asking for a reason. But it's like, what's, what is more important? What is more urgent? That we pass voting rights or that we see indictments? And of course, overwhelmingly, people said that we pass voting rights. Because if we indict Trump at any time, let's just say we indict Trump in March, uh, but we don't have voting rights passed and we lose the house it's set up they're setting the, the republicans are setting it up so that in t if we lose the house in 2024 they're going to have enough people in place to reject the legitimate votes and the loser will win and if that's the case they'll just pardon whoever you know i mean if trump is indicted and then if, if trump becomes the, becomes the nominee in 24 they'll just declare that he's the winner and he'll pardon himself or he'll be the president and he'll hide behind it. So it's like we've, I, 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 that it is so important that we pass that bill. And I don't know if it's going to happen and it keeps me up at night. What are your thoughts on passing it? Like how, how, how confident are you? How, I will, first of all, I, I agree with you. I think if we don't have voting rights, we don't have anything. Like we need to make sure everybody's votes counts, that we're not like gerrymandered into oblivion, that we're not like making voter suppression you know like all over the country um what are what do i think it's chances of passing mm -hmm. in the house mm -hmm. very good in the senate well, yeah in the senate that's what i mean yeah i don't i mean i don't know i mean we, we would have to probably i don't probably have to turn a couple republicans obviously yeah um but i i don't know i'm not i'm not incredibly confident i'm not but either I know, yeah. I know we need it 
And the thing is that the, the thing that like if if we're if Democrats are successful in turning some Republicans and getting them to support this, the issue is going to be that Donald Trump is going to put a target on their backs. And that's what they fear. And so, you know, you might have somebody like Lisa Murkowski who was like, yeah, I mean, as much as I don't like the woman, she did save our health care. She was one of the ones to save our health care. And uh-huh. occasionally she seems to be reasonable. I think she goes along with certain party you know, lines, doing things with the party just because it's easier for her and she's trying to hold her power. But I also think that there are certain things that she does that she's like, okay, fuck it, I'm going to do the right thing. If she decides to do the right thing, Trump's going to put a target on her back and she knows it. And then it becomes personal. Or is she willing to walk around with that target and get death threats and perhaps have to fucking leave? You know, there were people, there was somebody who Trump targeted and they had to leave wherever they were living for like two months because of the endless death threats they were getting. So that's the big problem. You know, mob boss. He's such a mob boss. And then these people think that they're like piling up to him, but he would throw them under the bus the first chance, first chance it gets. It's just really scary. Now I'm going to read a little bit of this because it's a really long thread, but it's by Elizabeth McLaughlin. She's a writer. And she says, I have a very specific prediction about what the U.S. is going to look like by this time in 2024 based in the reality of Roe being overturned and the dominoes that are going to fall from that very short or shortly thereafter. Now, I want to I just want to say Roe doesn't have to be overturned for this to be to be happening. All it needs to it just needs to be gutted. And I think that we're likely going to see gutting because gutting is like I've heard people argue that the Supreme Court doesn't give a shit about anything because they've got their seats for life but I think they do give a shit up they have a vision for this country specifically Amy Coney Barrett and um and Brett Kavanaugh now I could add uh what the Alito and the one I can never remember his name who the inappropriate one with Anita Hill Clarence Thomas I I think he could be part of this too but basically what she's doing is she's saying that um Okay, let me get to the good parts. She says, it's not about in charge or who's messaging or the budget. It's about power. And, um, okay, she was also talking about there's climate change because there's going to be a big, she calls it the climate, she adds the climate crisis, and she said, Dems better get fucking real. She goes, anyone who knows anything about what civil rights are based on the constitutional precedent can see what's coming, so get ready. Let's see. She goes, also, and I agree with this, You need to let go of Margaret Atwood. There will be states where abortion is still legal. There will be states where civil rights are preserved under state constitutions and where governors defy a fascist federal government. There will also be those that terrify. I'm not sure what she means by that. But but, um, she also, oh, I think terrify means, she says, just to show you what's coming, she puts up DeSantis wants to create his own state military and then... um, She's and, and I've been saying this for a while. She goes, seriously, cut the handmaiden memes. This is not fiction, and that's not what it's going to look like. Stop pretending that it's a television show. The United States is not going to be a nation, but more like an amalgam of states operating under different laws. That will determine where folks, uh, whether folks live or die, whether they have water or food because we share it, and whether you can marry who you love or get birth control or have clean air. And so I think, you know, I'm not going to read the rest of it, but that's, I think she's got an interesting point. So... We will have certain states, you know, like California, and she put a link in here um, about how California is going to become a sanctuary state for abortion, where they might even be paying for lodging and travel from people coming uh-huh. from other states. And so I'm wondering if that's, you know, I mean, it, it's hard for me to imagine a fascist America and how that would play out because I was just watching, I don't remember who it was, but somebody on my newsfeed lives in New York and they were just out in New York for the day. And they were just, you know, filming New Yorkers. And I thought, how, I mean, I mean, you could say this about a lot of blue states, but let's just go with New York because they're kind of edgy. And how would they be under fascist rule? I can't see New Yorkers accepting that. They wouldn't stand for it. No, absolutely not. Wouldn't stand for it. But then what do we do? Yeah. I mean, what do we do if we if, if the United States military is, you know, if, if, if the leaders would use the military to 
you know, strong armists, whether it's, it's, it's putting tear gas in the crowds or shooting us or arresting us, are people still going to be willing to fight this? And if that's the, it's, it, how, let me ask you this, how, what I just read from Elizabeth, do you, how, how likely do you think this is going to go down? I mean, see, I'm terrified, too, because I see what's happening with abortion rights, and I know if they get their way, they're going to go for, like, gay rights next. Yeah. 100%. They're going to do They're going to just start chipping away at, yeah. at all civil rights. Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't It doesn't look great. It de- I think it's going to end up being state by state. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm just being – I'm always optimistic, but I'm, like, I'm just looking at it realistically on who's on the court and everything. Yeah. I get I know, it. I know that I'm always going to live in a blue state. I know yeah. that that's going to always be a choice that I make. I'm right. going to always live in like a. I live in. I live in New England. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've lived in New York and I've lived in California, and I. And those are states that I would I would go back to. Mm-hmm. But I could never live like I, I. I just I just feel for these women in these states, mm. and it's it's a very privileged outlook to be like, oh, we'll just leave leave those right. states. Yeah. Because that's that's not easy. You can't just no. up and leave. For so many um, so reasons, like, so yeah. What you were saying, yeah, and what you were saying about like California becoming a sanctuary, like I was actually thinking, I'm like, there maybe there can be organizations that fund for that fund travel and lodging mm-hmm. and can help these these women out that are in states where they can't they can't um, have access to abortion care. And then on top of it, you know, where is it? Did I do it? Texas is they've banned certain books. So the ones here is Between the World and Me, The Handmaid's Tale, uh, Tale. Cider House Rules and Cast. Uh, they it- banned those? Yeah, let's see. It says, Texas School District oh pulls 400 books from the library, she- library shelves um, for review. So, okay, that's what they've done. So it's for review, but basically they're going to because uh, if they're pulling them for review, you can guarantee that these books are going to be taken out. And I'm just curious because remember when they put those parent advisory labels on music when Tipper Gore oh, yeah. was all hot for like, you know, banning the, the scary music um, that just made sales go skyrocket. <laughs> you know? It's true. I used to look for the label. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> You're such a dirty girl. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, but I think maybe it's being pulled from library shelves and yeah, that's damaging. But right now we've still got Amazon. We've still got places that you can go buy these books. And when you tell someone, don't read these books, especially kids, they're all about it. They're all about reading the books that they're not supposed to read. So I don't know, maybe, maybe they'll show an interest in it, but I I don't know. I don't know. They can download them onto their devices too. Yes. Very true. Like, in, like instantly. So it's like, how are you gonna? I don't know. It's 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 a strong arm move that they yeah. want to be like, we're we're doing that. It's it's, it's symbolic because it, it can't be enforced. Like maybe right. they'll pull them out of school library. Right. Like okay. It's they they can't enforce that. Then that would start looking a lot like Nazi Germany, where you're you have like big piles of burning books, and it's just yeah yeah yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's like more and more. They're just taking, I mean, I really want Democrats to start getting bold with their messaging because, and I'm going to be talking, <laughs> I'm, I mean, we all do. Uh, I'm going to be talking with Jamie Harrison on the 10th and of January. And I want to, you know, I mean, I absolutely don't want to attack him uh, for anybody that's concerned about that. Um, my goal is what I want to do, and I, I, may, I may be putting out a call for people to throw their questions in. But like whether questions or concerns, because I know I know he's aware. I know he's aware of what we're all feeling. But Democrats tend to be timid. And like, for instance, when Elizabeth Warren, what I mean, I've got two instances of her. So when Elizabeth Warren was pushing Medicare for all, she absolutely refused to say the way we pay for that is higher taxes because she was afraid that if you say higher taxes, it's immediately going to turn everybody off. I kept urging her, not that she was paying attention to my tweets, but I wanted her to say, okay, yes, your taxes are going to go up, but let's do the math here. Like she could pull out the fucking whiteboard, like Katie Porter. It eliminates your premiums. Yes, it eliminates your premiums. It eliminates co-pays. And, you know, here's an average 
of what you would be paying uh, in taxes compared to the average of what you would be paying with your premiums and and show everybody that in some in most cases it's likely less expensive to pay through taxes than premiums it re- it does depend and i imagine too once we would start a medicare program it would take a little while for things to glitch out cuz there's always going to be a glitch and a problem and an issue but it would take a little time and we'd work it out but she didn't do that and then when she was when she was called about it when people were saying to her to explain it she chose not to and her poll numbers dramatically dropped it was dramatic she chose the timid and i love elizabeth warren and i have faith in her but her messaging sucked and it hurt her now on the other hand there were a lot of people a lot of democrats who did not want Bloomberg to get the nomination. Now, we would have taken him because, yeah, he's a, he's a rich guy. He's an older, rich, white guy, and he could go after Trump, and, and he, could, he could have campaigned in such a way that was effective. But a lot of people just did not want another billionaire Democrat or a billionaire politician. So Elizabeth Warren got a lot of shit from, from some people, um, from some liberals even, because she confronted him with the rumor and, and there was a woman who worked for Bloomberg and said that Bloomberg, whether it was he personally or his company or whatever, told this woman she needed to get an abortion. And I remember, I won't say who, I won't single the guy out, but he was an actor and he was just so upset with Elizabeth Warren for doing that. It was, it, it, it was unseemly, you know, they didn't like the way it looked and they didn't like the confrontational feel of the moment. A lot of people didn't like the confrontational feel when Kamala Harris told Joe Biden that, that racist, the racist policies that he was part of when she was a little girl. But, but Women are confrontational. Men are bold. And Right, exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. But it's like she didn't attack him. She just said, hey, this is what it was for me when I was a little girl. And, yeah. and it, it did make people uncomfortable because it felt like a confrontation. But it's like she wasn't being a bitch. People wanted to make her into a bitch. It's like, no, she was just saying, this is how these policies affected me when I was a child. And fucking Biden listened to her and said, okay, you are my vice president. And exactly, exactly, because <laughs> he likes that. He probably was like, oh, this girl's got, you know, this girl has what it takes. She knows this woman has what it takes. She's going to. You know, she's not afraid to say it like it is. Yes, yes. And that's the whole point. Yeah. And, and Elizabeth Warren going up to Bloomberg and saying that uncomfortable thing, it was she gave us a fucking gift because Biden is a million times better at governing than Bloomberg would ever be. You know, Absolutely. and as much as I love Elizabeth Warren, she just didn't. Uh, that, that was such a special election. I don't think she could have won for so mm-hmm. many reasons. But um, but she was bold and we need bold messaging from Democrats. We need Democrats not only to say we are dealing with neo-Nazis, we are dealing with fascists, but they need to. I was watching Joy Reid and Joy Reid was saying that there was some fucking panel and Republicans are all about we want to ban abortion. We, you know, get rid of abortion. Abortion's terrible. Abortion's terrible. And Democrats are just shying away from it. it. That really grinds my gears. Like, I... Because Democrats can often be so reactionary instead mm-hmm. of like going for it and like before something happens, like yes. be really bold and aggressive with your talking points and get, go out there like Republicans do on the other side. All the time. Instead, instead of I feel Democrats wait for the bad thing to happen and then react to it and be like, oh, my God, can you believe this happened? I'm like, well, we knew it was going to happen. Why didn't we take mm-hmm. proactive steps to stop it? Mm hmm. Well, and I mean, so, you could, yeah. yeah, you could see that on the uh, and, and, and it's not a criticism, but to, to your point. We have the pink hat march after Trump was, you know, inaugurated. So it's like we waited instead of having this big scream before we, we waited until after now the Democrats bill in the build back better plan. There's one little thing that says no family will pay more than 7% of its income on childcare. So do you know what the right wingers are calling this? They're what? calling it a toddler takeover. Oh, yeah. I did hear that. Elizabeth McConnell was saying that. Yes. 
it's so ridiculous. It's like, if we have this amazing bill that we can, we can, like, I always, I have to work a lot from a veteran's angle. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, this bill is amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, because for me, like every issue is a veteran's issue. Veterans have children. Veterans need healthcare. Veterans need jobs. They need work training. They need all of that. So I'm like, I, like, I dig into these bills and I'm like, and this bill has a lot of teeth. Like this Mm -hmm. should pass and be bipartisan and people should really want it Mm -hmm. so that's like we should just own it and 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 go after it totally and that's what i'm frustrating (laughs) it's very frustrating yeah i did see pelosi today though um she was in her it was in her news conference and this this reporter act i tried to like trick her Mm -hmm. and you can't trick her no And, and, and they were like and and he was like oh your social spending bill and she's like excuse me i'm sorry what social spending bill like what oh oh you mean the build back better um like for the people act right. you know like you know oh that you know the one that has this and this and then she's like i, I mean he's she's like i know what it's called and so should you and i'm like oh my god she's uh, like no, she's no like fierce she is she's fierce. so fierce like i wish we had like a million nancy pelosi's oh my I'm god like, i know she's so fierce you know you eric, eric swalwell is good at it too and you know and the thing is is that there are certain individual democrats that are really good at it but as as the whole i think they you know I, i'm just going to share i think i shared this before but i'm going to keep sharing that i'm going to share it with jamie harrison there's somebody that i know who doesn't want to speak on the record because they do this for a living but they make political ads and this person told me, look, I made some ads, really hard-hitting ads for Biden, and Democrats are too timid and too afraid. They, they'd rather stick with the safe shit, and we are so past the point of safe. We don't have to break the rules. We don't have to, you know, lie, cheat, and steal. But I think one of the things that we have to do, you know, I, I tweeted to Jamie Harrison last Thursday, and it got his attention. And, it, you know, it, it, it. I'm glad that it got his attention, and... Because I feel like he needs to hear when I have him on my show. What I want to do is kind of like hit him with a bunch of things like this is the thing that's keeping me up at night as a voter. These are the things that are worrying me. And these are the things that we'd like to see from the Democratic Party. And, you know, I mean, obviously, I think they're doing a great job of governing. I think they're doing a good job of putting out the message of like what's in the bill and all that stuff. But what they're not doing is seizing the opportunity that they have right now to basically call out the Republicans for what they are. It's like, I don't want to hear my friends across the aisle. Your friends across the aisle are Nazis. They're neo-Nazis. They're not our friends. They're not friends. No. <laughs> no. And I get the spirit of it because it used to be that way. It, and there are some Republicans and, and you know right now who are not crazy Trump people, but they're complicit and they're not saying anything. And you know maybe they don't like Donald Trump. Maybe they don't like his policies. And maybe they are friends with some of the Democrats. And they can all have dinner together and everything's friendly. But in the bigger picture, what is going to affect all of us in this country is the most important and and what that is is democrats need to have strong messaging about the the fascism and the white supremacy and not be afraid of sounding hyperbolic not being afraid of sounding extreme because all they have to do is back up what they say if they're going to say republicans are you know are the party of white supremacy and here's why you know yeah Republicans are fascists right now. They are fascists. Here's why. And we need that from them. I saw a great, I saw a great like meme and it was like a meme, but it was somebody's like post since they shared it on Instagram about abortion and what it all comes down to and how we should change our messaging and how we talk about it. Because it's like, yes, it's every, it should be every woman's right to choose obviously, but that's messaging that's not resonating. Mm-hmm. But it was all about basically saying that a woman it basically has no choice over her body. It all comes down with bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. It basically, you can't even donate an organ without giving explicit instructions. You mm-hmm. can't, nobody can take anything from you, but you're going to tell a woman that she can't do what she needs to do with her body. So mm-hmm. basically, a corpse has more rights than a living, breathing woman. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think on Joy Reid, there was somebody using an analogy in a similar way, but different in that it was like, well, if somebody needs an organ and you're walking down the street and you've got the healthy organ, they just select you and go, you got to give this person an organ. 
It's like yeah. you don't have any say in what goes on with your body because they're they're going inside of you and they're not. And it's like, God, it. The other thing that I would love to see from Democrats, and the thing is, is the Democrats take. A, I mean, obviously they have responsibility with messaging, but what they're up against is obviously the fascist Republicans, but a media who's not at all fair when in, in, in how they're reporting stories. Because, you know, there was that ridiculous, drummed-up bullshit story from Politico after they were criticized in the Washington Post for uh, not giving, you know, the, the, the coverage that Biden is getting compared to what Trump... Biden is getting worse coverage. He's a much better president. He's a good president. He's a good human being. He's not a fucking autocrat fascist Nazi whereas Donald Trump is. And so Political does this fucking article on on uh, Harris because she refuses to wear a Bluetooth because it's, it, it's not secure. So she chooses to go with secure, the earbuds that are secure that have cords, and they call her fucking Bluetooth-phobic. This is so stupid. It's, it's stupid. stupid. It's just so, like, who cares? Sometimes I prefer the corded ones just because the sound's better. Like, yeah. who like who it's such a non-story They're and so why are they, they doing that for that that pot too like she bought yes. a nice like pot you know like a nice french pot that like she'll never need to buy another one she's probably saving money by buying that yeah and it's her own fucking money and it's nobody's yeah. business and trump has gold toilets and they don't care and so why no. is political after they get criticized for 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 being ridiculous in their coverage really they they come out with this what is the reason there? And I, I don't know. There was an article on the, the guy who owns Political now, and I, 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 I could, it was behind a paywall and I couldn't read it, but I'm sure that he has Republican leaning. But that's basically what's going on. And then on top of it, you've got a story where she's supposedly fucking Bluetooth phobic. This bullshit scandal like, you know, Grey Poupon, uh, um, or I should say when Obama wanted Dijon mustard or warning wore the tan suit, it was this faux bullshit scandal. Right now, just... They're both black. <laughs> there you go. And she's a woman, yep. so it's even worse for her. Yep. Um, but they, um, you know, you just we've just come off the heels of the news story that this th- these parents... Know that they have a troubled teen. They buy the troubled teen a gun. The troubled teen takes the gun to school, murders four classmates, and then we see Thomas Massey, Rep. Thomas Massey of, I think, Kentucky, uh, posing with his entire family, including his children. One looks like a teen holding assault rifles. Then Lauren Boebert is posing with her sons, and she's got all of them holding assault rifles. And Politico is doing stories on Bluetooth-phobic Harris. Are you fucking kidding me? It's just fucking it, it, maddening. It's, it, it's, it's gross is what it is. It's like gross. That, like that photo with Massey after those kids died in Michigan. And then Massey posted, like that, the gun he's holding is an M60. Like that would tear apart an entire crowd in seconds. Wow. And he's like holding it. Like it's like it's nicknamed the pig in the military. Like it, it would it would just like it would just tear it would it's and he's holding it and he's smiling. Yeah, it's like what a sick motherfucker. Like yeah. I'm sorry for my language, but that's just, <laughs> I've been saying fuck it's, this it's, whole it's, show. <laughs> it's so disgusting. It is disgusting. They are disgusting. They have you know I think it was it was a uh, something and this is not surprising, but it was a tweet that I saw. What's your you know what's the Republican platform for 2022? Nothing. They don't have one. Their platform is lies and fascism and white supremacy, and that's it. That's what they've got going on. And no matter what they say, they're fucking stupid. See, I'm, I'm saying fuck every five seconds. But um, <laughs> their, their MAGA cult, unfortunately, I'm related to some of these people, um, just buys whatever they say, whatever it is. And it's like, that's why the they're Democrats all, need to they, get... They run on fear. They run on yeah. outrage and fear and making sure white people are scared enough to not... To not vote for the people that help everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Like for some reason they're going to. They don't hurt. want anybody else to have, you know. Yeah. A life. It's just it's fucking maddening. I just I, I can't. I, I'm so. Ugh, I you know I don't know. I read you know this is how bad it is. I read that thread by Elizabeth, Elizabeth McLaughlin, and she's talking about how if you live in a blue state, well at least for some time you're safe. 
because it's true that if we don't have an actual working federal government that is able to benefit us in the way that it does now, climate is just going to fall. It's going to fall away. Anything climate protections, it's going to fall away. And when we start seeing the real, I mean, we're seeing results with weather and you know, clearly we see stronger hurricanes, we see more fires in California, but when it starts to really affect everybody, when it starts to affect people in Idaho because they can't get water, I mean, we, we do have states in this nation right now where they don't have clean water. In fact, in Bakersfield, where Bruno Amato is running against Kevin McCarthy, I can't remember, I think it's hexane six or something like that, but there's a certain amount of hexane something in their water, which is not drinkable. And for anybody who's ever seen the movie Aaron Brockovich, I think you might understand the dangers of having this kind of crap in your fucking water. And at some point, it's going to get to, you could live, okay, let's say, worst case scenario, fascist Republican wins in 2024, and then you've got your individual states who are going to do what they can. I don't, I don't even know where things will go after that, but if it would just be for a while, because as soon as we start... As soon as the climate thing starts affecting our food supply um, in a real serious way, when it starts affecting our water supply, um, we're going to feel it and there's not going to be anything we can do about it. And it's just, it's like, and, and, and the thing is, is when I read her thread, I just think, well, maybe because I live in a blue state, I have a little more time. <laughs> That's such a sad fucking thought. Yeah, no, I feel I feel exactly the same way. I feel like I'm reasonably safe in a blue state that I can maintain like abortion rights and my marriage. Yeah, but for how long? Right. You know. Right. Exactly. Because yeah. we don't know what would happen if uh if if you know if DeSantis gets in or however it's going to work. I mean, I don't. The last thing I want to ask you about, and I'm just curious about this because this is a fascinating. It's fascinating even though it's scary and terrifying. Um, I think the Republican Party, for the most part. They're just held hostage by Donald Trump. I don't think they like him. I think they wish he would go away. And obviously that's not going to happen. And so you're going to see a lot of stooges like Devin Nunes and, you know, um, some of the the hardcore Trumpers. They're just going to, you know, burrow themselves in his rectum. They've already done it. They're going to stay there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I mean, and I'm thinking, I feel like there's two trains of thought here. Either... Like, what the fuck is going to happen in 2020, the 2024 primaries? Can you imagine what's going to happen with Donald Trump if he decides he does want to run? If he does run, he'll get the nomination. There'll be others who will try. But if he does run, he'll get the nomination. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. and he'll probably and I'm, I'm terrified with how they're reading the elections across yeah. all the different states right now that, you know, he will be able to overturn popular votes in certain states yeah. for whatever reason he'll find fraud and, and they'll throw out ballots and i'm mm-hmm. just like i'm imagining all the worst case scenarios yeah so yeah that's why i want them to hold him accountable for january 6th before we get to an election in 2024 right well and for me that's why i also want to see the voting rights because if we can pass that i think yes. we have the best shot of not because i think that if he gets indicted i think there's the double-edged sword i mean all the liberals are going to be happy but the fucking mega crowd's going to go nuts Oh, they will, and they'll double down. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if we do pass voting rights, it will secure the election, and then right. like, I will feel a little bit better about it all. Yeah, but but yeah, I think he, there's it's, I, he's it's it's scary. It's a cult. It's a cult yeah. mentality. Yeah, like he's not a good leader. No, he's not a good businessman. He's not even good looking. Like, there's nothing <laughs> good about him. Like, he's no. not a good person. Like, there's he has nothing winning about him. He'll tell you otherwise. But there's like right. he cheats at everything. He cheats yeah. in business. He cheated. He got out of the. He cheated out of the draft. He cheated at, at yeah. his businesses. He cheats at golf. Yeah. Like, at, well, and I I think though like, and this is the less likely scenario. But I mean, like, I wonder if there would be any way Republicans could find a way to just make sure he's not the nominee. I, I think they would prefer that. I think they would rather go with someone like DeSantis or Yunkin because he's, you know, he he isn't so obvious. And, you know, you're right, because I don't think Donald Trump could legitimately win, but he would absolutely win if all the people are in place to just throw out the legitimate votes. And Yeah. If they went with like a Yunkin from Virginia, mm-hmm. who's like kind of boring, yeah. but he's like, but he's appealing to yes. like moderate. Um, would, I think they would definitely win. Yeah. I, mean, I, I th- that would be actually for them. But I don't know if if they would have the courage to stand up to Trump. 
Right. That's the whole thing. Because in, in, in most of it, it's not just I'm afraid for my political year, po- career. I'm afraid for my family. I'm afraid for my own life. Because, like I said, there was this one family who had to fucking leave for like two months because they were getting death threats just because Trump said some shit about them. So, you know, but I don't, I don't know how they'd be able to get rid of Trump, but I, I can't imagine that McConnell likes Trump. I know that he likes what Trump gives him and the power and the whatever it is that gives, you know, the, he has handed the Republican Party this gift, even though I don't see it as a gift. Like, I, I don't know how they could because he's really damaged it. But, you know, they, they will get power if, if, if all goes their way, they will get power for a period of time. I don't know, maybe a generation. I don't know exactly how long, but it's, it never sustains. And then, of course, add the climate thing in and forget it. But um, doom, 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 doom. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I just, I, you know, just take the climate out of it, which you can't. But for the sake of argument, you know, it, it's only going to last for a certain period of time. And that period of time could literally be you know, a hundred years or something like that. But I think eventually we've seen in the past, people will rise up whenever there's some kind of, you know, autocracy or something, but sometimes they don't. And and in the cases that they don't, I think they've always had it and they just don't know the difference. Our country knows the difference, but in a hundred years from now, people wouldn't know the difference either. That's what they would know. So it's hard to tell, but it's like, I mean, I, I, you know, all these things go through my head and I start correcting myself as I'm thinking like oh wait a minute wait a minute if they're not born you know because people who are born in, you know, like Russians are just used to it they've had yeah. this kind of ruling for centuries and they're used to it if you, if you even go back like 45 years when women couldn't get a credit card without their mm-hmm. husband you know it's not like we've come a long way but we still have a long way to go mm-hmm. and there's always been people that like want to keep pulling us backwards and then there's on our side where we keep on progressing, keep on keep going forward. Yeah. And I think we need to get out in front of it. Like we need to not mm-hmm. be reactionary. We need to we need to be fierce, and yeah. we need to go out and get it, and and have the strong messaging, get people excited, mm-hmm. but do it in a way that's not, you know, I I hate to say it, like boring. Don't do it right. in a way that seems very disingenuous, where it's just like you have the I call it politician speak, where you just they just sound like they're mm-hmm. just just like people that are good at it are like like that was really good at it. Yeah, he's good. And Bill, <laughs> look, Bill Clinton is good at it. Hillary yeah. Clint, Clinton said because that was that was her weakest thing, and she admitted it. She's yeah. like, we all know Hillary was good at work. Put her to work and her numbers fucking skyrocket. Put her out yeah. in front of people to shake hands. Nobody likes her because she's just, that's not her strength. But what's funny is when you get her, like when I went to like different candid things with her, where like a, like a book reading or not, or like where they talk about her book and she's just herself. Right. She's so personable. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, I'm like, be that person. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I know Al Gore had that amazing. problem. Yeah. Al Gore had the same problem. He was like this stiff piece of wood. You know, when he was running, eventually he got over it and he was he was fun and entertaining. But it's like she said, my husband and Barack Obama, they they're really good at fucking shaking hands and pressing the flesh. And I mean, no matter what, you know, I don't know what connection Bill Clinton has with uh, Epstein. But that aside, you know, aside from his. uh I don't even know what to call it, but aside from whatever the fuck he did outside of that, Bill Clinton delighted. I mean, my father followed him around in in a campaign and my father was like, you know, you could just feel it. The guy loved it. He loved talking to people. He got off on it. It was exciting for him. And it it was, you know, with Hillary, it was a different story. There were, there were times when I saw that she looked physically uncomfortable and, you know, and again, we should be at a point, we should be a mature enough, uh, electorate that we can say all right well maybe that's not her strong suit but her strong suit is governing (laughs) so so let's let's give her that and you know well we did we did elect her but the electoral (laughs) college fucked us over and the majority of people in this country did want her so i i want to make sure that i say that just in case because obviously she did win but she did she won the majority vote she did Oh, anyway, all right. Well, I'm going to end the show. I'm glad that I got to have you on. I've got two more shows left before the uh, break, which I desperately, desperately need. 
And but it was fun talking to you. I love talking to you. Of course, I'll have you back in 2020 and I, or 2022, I should say. Um, and I'll be worrying. <laughs> Don't put me back in. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, and I'll be worrying and freaking out like I normally do. So um, anyway, thank you for being on. But of course, before I let you go, tell everybody where they need to, where they're going to find you. You can find me on most social channels at Sarah Wood Writer, S-A-R-A-H, W-O-O-D, Writer as in writing things down. And um, yeah, Twitter, all the things. So and then, of course, you are the social media director for Vote Vets. So if you're not following Vote Vets, follow Vote Vets. Yeah, that would be great, too. Yes. <laughs> We're and doing then, a lot of good things over there. Yes, they are. And um, I'm at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget the extra E. And all my books are on Amazon. And thank you, Sarah. We'll talk to you next year. Sounds good. Bye-bye.